have such sights to show you. Don't come any closer. They're behind us. I met this six-year-old child with blackest eyes. You're listening to Some Daylight Required, a father and daughter podcast dedicated to reviewing the classic and the not-so-classic horror movies, thrillers, or something just a little spooky. And of course, each review comes with a healthy side of general chit-chat. This week, we attempt to cheat death by any means necessary. So sit back, relax, and join us on our journey into the depths of darkness as we discuss Final Destination. Accidents, no coincidences, no mishaps, and no escapes. Hello and welcome to Some Daylight Required, the only podcast worth missing a flight to Paris for. I am Ray the Munchman Williams, and today I am joined by my co-host, the Death Deceiver herself, Emily. How are you doing, Emily? Um, I'm doing good. Today's been a really relaxed day. Not too much has happened, so it's been pretty nice. Excellent. So, have you have you done anything at all today? No, not no, really. Just uh, just hanging out at home and watching some movies and, and going up to the shops for a little bit. Yeah, basically. Uh, what about you? How's your day been? Yeah, my day's been pretty good as well. Um, as we know that, yeah, we just mentioned then we went up to the shops for a little bit and had a walk around at the shops and watched a couple of movies. One of my favourite ones, Halloween, which we'll uh, talk about in a future episode. But uh, apart from that, it's been a, a pretty relaxing day, just working around, doing doing odd jobs in the house and taking care of things that need to be done. All right, so before we get started into our main uh, topic of discussion here, what have you been reading or watching lately? Well, I haven't been reading anything new, but I have been re-watching a show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a really good show. It's uh, mainly about this precinct or this group of cops who go around and they solve crimes and stuff like that. But it's more of a comedy than, like, a detective sort of thing. But it's still got that police flavour spice into it. Okay, yeah. So so it's not quite a serious police procedural, is, is what they call when that focuses on the on the actual police work. But it's yeah. it's more of a comedy. They're a bunch of misfits, aren't they, in, yeah. in the precinct? But somehow they, they still manage to work together and solve the crimes. Yeah, basically. And, have you been watching much of it? Well, I've been watching a lot of it actually recently because I've haven't had a lot to watch, but it's still really enjoyable. Yeah, this is actually what about the second, third, fourth time you've rewatched the entire series? Fourth. Fourth. <laughs> that, that just goes that. That's a high recommendation there. If someone's watched a seven seasons four times, it's got to be pretty good. Yeah. Um. What about you? What have you been reading or watching lately? Um. Well, I, as you know, am a bit of a slow reader, so I'm still reading The Whispering Room by. Dean Coon. That's quite good at the moment. Apart from that, I have actually just finished watching season two of Cobra Kai, which is on Netflix here in Australia. And it is a TV series that it follows on from the original Karate Kids with Daniel and that. And it actually has the the guy who was Daniel from the original movies, all grown up, he's now in his in his forties or something, and the guy who played his nemesis in the first movie, he's also in it, and it's basically the two of them still continue to have little issues against each other. It's but it's it's quite interesting because neither of them are really a good person or a bad person. Like the person who was the so called bad kid in the last one, it's more from his point of view, and you sort of see how the movie played out for him. It was like in for those who don't know the Karate Kid, like Daniel moves to the new town, 
he starts getting picked on by these guys, so then he learns karate to defend himself and, and whatnot. From the other guy's point of view, it's like this new guy turned turned up to the town and tried to steal his girlfriend away, and so he was, you know, trying to stop that from happening, and then this guy started punching him and getting into fights. And anyway, this is now, again, like I said, it's like 30 years on, and they're still having these issues, like the, the guy who was the so-called bad guy in the original movie He's trying to get his life together. He's trying to open up his own karate dojo and, you know, help all these misfortune kids who do get picked on. But Daniel sees it as like, oh no, he's starting up the evil Cobra Kai karate dojo again. And so he's doing everything in his power to shut it down. But they just, just don't seem to manage to ever see eye to eye. So I've just finished watching season two of that and I highly recommend it. If you like the movies, you're going to enjoy the, the TV show. And I believe they're making a season three. I'm not sure if they've actually finished filming it yet or if it's been filmed, uh, but I, I believe it's coming out at some stage. So that's what I've been doing lately that hasn't been horror-related. Well, it sounds very interesting. All right. Well, in that case, let's move on and let's jump into our discussion for Final Destination. Before we actually jump into our main discussion, I'd just like to remind everyone we have a new email address, which is somedaylightrequired at outlook.com, and uh, that's actually how this episode has come about. It was recommended by a couple of colleagues of mine and friends of the show, Lauren and Jen. They both suggested Emily and I watch Final Destination and discuss it on the show. And also, as always, before we jump into the our main discussion i'd just like to remind everyone that there will be spoilers ahead so if you haven't seen the movie just be aware that some surprises and twists might be revealed as we discuss this movie so em over to you why don't you give us a breakdown of the storyline of final destination Okay, so basically a group of students go hop onto a plane to go to paris and one of the kids has a premonition of what's about to happen to the plane. In his premonition, the plane, like, blows up and everybody in it gets killed. So he sort of, like, tries to get out of the plane and in doing so, he sort of causes a bit of a commotion and him and a group of other students and one teacher get kicked off of the plane and then Death tries to catch up to them and kill them off because they cheated Death. So Death is trying to get everything back on the right track, basically. Excellent, that's a great breakdown. We should point out that although his death is basically the villain and almost the character in this um, movie, it's not actually a physical being, is it? No. It's just uh, almost like a karma, isn't it? It's like events that happen, but without a physical force doing these events to kill the main cast. Yeah, it's just a series of unfortunate events. All right, so um, while we have just watched the main movie... uh, while we were looking this up, we actually found out that uh, Final Destination is a bit of a horror franchise. It's got five films in it. There's also two comic books and nine novels, which before doing some research into this, I was unaware of. So I'm very eager myself to actually try and get my hands on the, the comics and the novels to sort of read how they tie in. Because myself, having seen all the movies, see how they tie in at the end. They all sort of link into each other. Emily, you haven't had a chance to actually watch the other ones just yet, but as it's revealed to you, you'll you'll see that they all link in. So I'm very excited to see how these novels and comics maybe link in, or if there even may be a side story that happened 
side by side but aren't actually related so that would be something interesting that i'm really keen to check out about but you also found out while you were looking into it is that this was actually written by jeffrey reddy um and was originally written for an x-files tv show for our younger listeners out there who aren't fully aware of the X-Files, it was a TV show on during the 90s where there was two FBI agents, Mulder and Scully, and they used to go investigate paranormal activity like UFOs and werewolves and all sorts of stuff and try and either prove them or debunk them. And um, so, yeah, apparently this was originally uh, written to be an episode there. But, but this actually reminds me, because I was a big fan of the X-Files show, there was actually an episode where a man was basically trying to run away from karma. He had good good luck, and every, for every good thing that happened to him, there was always like a uh, equal bad thing that would happen. So the, the, that episode starts off, and he is trying to win. I think it's like he's trying to win fifty thousand dollars or something like that, something small. And he wants to win a small amount, and he, I think it was like his mother or father or something was in a hospital, and he needed some to be able to pay for some medical bills. And so he goes in, he buys the scratchy, and he wins, and wins the full big jackpot. And then of course freaks out because he won way more than he wanted, so he knew that the bad thing that was going to equalize it was going to be extremely bad so he runs out of the convenience store uh i think he drops the the winning ticket or something and someone else picks it up and then that person like gets hit by a bus or a car or a truck or something like that which was obviously an equally devastating thing to counterbalance it and um, that's what final destination sort of reminds me of it's like even though it's not quite the same thing this non-living creature sort of thing chasing after them trying to equal things out and get the pattern back into the line that's kind of what i feel final destination is like yeah um actually well i was also i also did a bit of research myself and i found out that final destination was based on some true events Mm -hmm. obviously the premonition and cheating death were all fictionalized but there was a group of people who got off a plane mysteriously before it blew up so like that sort of fits in a little bit as well yeah 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 so that's that's interesting yeah so there's been a few cases i believe where people have just miraculously just missed out on dying like you know maybe they got on the plane and then they felt queasy or or got off or just had an uneasy feeling got off and then the plane took off and it it blew up and that's what this is loosely based off is people who mysteriously decide to change their minds and not get on a bus or not get on a train and then all of a sudden there's a big accident which causes a lot of deaths but for some unexplained reason they've hopped off so what i found interesting was that it was good that they've taken that idea and just sort of put a science fiction fantasy twist around that to explain that oh yeah this guy had a premonition but then it's like they've then built in a a mechanism for it to catch up it's like there's fate you can't avoid the fate and death's going to come for you and in, in speaking about death when it comes for them what's their main goal do you remember what they had to try and do well their main goal was just to try and out cheat death to like dodge basically its plan and live past when they're meant to die yep when they all hopped off the plane after a little while the main character alex his friend uh todd he ends up dying they break into the morgue to see him and they talk to the person that works there who's doing the embalming and the preparing of the body for burial and he talks about death and them cheating death and he gives them the idea that they've got to keep basically death's got a pattern and that they have to avoid it they got to watch for the signs and then if they can avoid it then it will skip them and go to the next person yeah 
And so before we go any further in this, we should probably talk about all the characters in this show and who they're played by. Well, there is quite a few, so we'll only just list out a couple of them. Alex, who's the main character, is being played by Devin Sawyer. There's Bloodworth, played by Tony Todd. And if anyone's seen the Candyman horror films, you'll recognise him from that. Uh, Sean William Scott is in there. He's playing Billy Hitchcock. We've got Kerr Smith, who plays Carter Horton. Ali Lata plays Clear Rivers. Chad Donella plays Todd Wagner. Uh, we've also got Kristen Cloak, who plays Valerie Luton, who was the teacher that also got off the plane. And of course, we've got Death, but Death isn't actually played by anyone. It is just a mystical force that is hunting them down. Yes. Um. So, because we just listed off all the characters and who they were played by, who was your favourite character out of the whole movie? Uh, well, there was quite a few good ones. Do like... Death as a character, but I'd have to say my favourite character in this movie was played by Sean William Scott, he, who played Billy Hitchcock. He was just a light-hearted character. He wasn't in it a lot, like he wasn't one of the real main characters, but he was in it in every little scene he was in. It was just sort of funny. He's like one of those mates that everyone's got who's just really chill. Like He's kind of like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. He's just chill, nothing phases him, he rides along the boat. Like, the whole reason he got kicked off the plane wasn't because he got caught up in it. It was he was late because he was going to the toilet. And he got on the plane late, and then the big commotion happened, and he just happened to be standing in the aisle trying to get on the plane at the same time. And then it was like, everyone who's in the aisle is getting kicked off. And he's like, I wasn't even there, I was in the toilet, you know. And then, like, yeah, every every time he's just, like, sort of hanging out, and it's like when the, the teacher dies... He He's like riding along on his push bike and he sees Alex come running out of the house and he's like, oh, hi, Alex. And then the house blows up and he's like, oh, my God. And he's like, he just hit to, to me. He was just a really cool character. Like only reason he kept getting into trouble was because he was somewhere where he shouldn't have been. Like and even when, you know, it comes his time to die. It was all because he was somewhere where he didn't really need to be. And, and the poor guy, you know, it skipped. They managed to skip one person, which then became his time, and he was just unfortunately in the wrong spot at the wrong time. What about you? Did you have a uh, favourite character in this one? Um, yes, actually. My favourite character was Bloodworth. Yeah, he... Yep, the mortician guy? Yeah. Um, he was my favourite one. He was only in there for a little bit again, which I've noticed with all my other characters. They only been, they've, they've only been there for like a little bit, mm. but... They make a really good first impression. There you go. For all you actors out there in horror movies, if you want to become Emily's favourite, just make sure you're in there for about 30 seconds. Just steal the one scene and then move on, and then you'll just rise to her top 10 favourite characters in all movies. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Uh, So what was it that uh, Tony Todd did to steal the scene and make him your favourite character in this movie? Well, while in that scene where they meet, well, when the two main characters actually meet him, he he seems a little bit like crazy, basically, not really psychotic, but just a little out of sorts, basically. Bit odd, bit weird. Yeah, bit yeah, bit bit weird. And I. But I mean, he does work with dead bodies every day, so no offense to any other morticians out there. But you know, when your only company most of the time is a dead body, you, you you're gonna not quite be as personable as some other people. I mean, you'll probably have very good communication skills and be able to show empathy for those who have lost their loved ones. But when you're by yourself, you could probably let go and and be a little bit crazy. Yeah, but yeah, the craziest people have the coolest stories. Yeah. All right. So we've spoken about our favorite characters now. 
the favourite scene? Did you have a favourite scene, a favourite death scene, or just a favourite scene at, at all? I think my favourite scene... Uh, my favourite scene was the teacher's death. Oh, yeah? Um, I liked it because it was like just a bunch of small, minuscule little details happening over the course of like a couple minutes, but each one plays a part and it affects how she dies. Like a domino effect sort of thing or a butterfly effect. The smallest little change has a big impact. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like, yeah, she does one small thing and then it leads to something else and it will continue going on and on and on until she it, she ends up getting killed. Yeah, do you remember what the fir- one of the first things was that started to trigger that? Um, well, one of the first things was, at first you don't really notice it, but she puts a towel over some knives as well. Oh, that's right, even I had forgotten that. Yeah, like, at first I saw that and I thought, I don't really see how that, like, fits in with it, but then... She puts a bunch of hot water in a cup and then she tips it out, pours some cold water in there or something that's very cold. It cracks the mug and then she proceeds to, she walks over to a computer, she tries to do something to it and a little bit of water comes out of the crack which then goes into the circuits in the computer which then end up blowing up the computer and the glass from the computer and the blast cut her neck she walks back into the kitchen and tries to grab the cloth but the cloth is on some knives so in this moment she's losing a lot of blood she um trips a little bit and is on the ground she's reaching for the cloth and she pulls it and all these knives come down on top of her yeah i think there are a few other little steps in there as well but yeah there's and they all just play a significant look like they're all individual little things that you wouldn't notice and then all of a sudden it unravels like a big jigsaw big domino effect until her final death and i agree that her death was the epic scenes in the movie it really shows how death would plot to fix the pattern of each person yeah and, and again um i think that's also shown when it down to the last couple of people who are still alive and they're trying to basically barricade themselves in and make themselves death-proof, really, aren't they? they? They sort of, if you've ever had to baby-proof a house, this is baby-proofing to the extreme. It's like death-proofing. He's sticky-taping things with pillows and, you know, he's wearing mittens while he's eating and he's using plastic forks and paper plates and making sure that there's nothing leaning up against anything that could fall down. But then, like, still little things are... Like, a wind, the wind blows and the door opens a bit and then he goes over and then he finds that there's a hook there and he's like, oh, a rusted hook. Very clever death, you know, give me tetanus, that's a slow death. But then after a while he realises that something else is happening and maybe he's not the last one, the next one to die. Maybe um, the other person could be. So then he starts freaking out and trying to race after her. But of course death is also starting up things to um, kill her as well. So you don't... As a viewer, you're not 100% sure if he is the next person or if she's going to be the next person because everything's just unravelling and it could have been part of Death's plan to actually trigger the memory in him to make him go after her so that way it, like Death, could fix the pattern and kill him and her but pretty much at the same time. And it's just, it's very interesting to watch that plays out. Yes, it was. What was your favourite scene? My favourite scene is also a death scene, surprisingly, because it's a, a horror movie. Uh, but this time, it was actually Billy's death. It wasn't so much his death, although that was a pretty cool. But again, it's all about the lead-up. Like, it was actually meant to be a different character dying at the time. It was going to be Carter's death. 
and but he was trying to prove that death has no say in his life sort of thing and that this whole pattern thing's garbage and they're all in the car and he's flooring it and he's driving as fast as he can he's driving really reckless and then he parks his car on the train track and they're all like locked in there and the trains come and he's sitting there up there saying no i say i say whose death it is i say whose death it is and then everyone gets out except for the guy who's basically trying to prove that it's his choice not death's choice so carter's still in the car and then of course then he goes oh, it's not my time to die, and then he tries to start the car, and the car won't start, and it's like the engine's cut, so now he's there, and then he's trying to get out of the car, but the seatbelt jams, and he can't get out, and it's like, again, all these little things are happening to start this domino effect, and then, you know, spoiler alert, he manages to survive, he gets out, which then means that it ticks over and no longer becomes his death, but it then becomes the next person in line, which is Billy, and then you know he's there and he's freaking out and he's like death's after you stay away from me stay away from me doing the full again shaggy from scooby-doo all freaking out because it's all scary he's telling him to stay away from him and then death basically comes straight for him and that whole scene playing out again i thought was really cool it wasn't quite as long as they play out as the teachers one or even when uh the character todd died uh who people thought he had committed suicide in the bathroom but it was actually again death doing a whole bunch bunch of little things which caused his death but um yeah i still thought it 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 played out quite well what was your thought on death being the villain but not an actual character like just being karma destiny fate yeah i i thought it was a real interesting concept i don't believe i can think of any other sort of movies that have really done something like that there's usually most of the horror movies i've seen there's either a person or a creature has been the actual killer and hunting them down for whatever reasons so actually having death which is something like that you could pretty much not outrun i thought was a very clever take on having it as a bad guy and yet still not an actual character like there wasn't a physical presence that you could try and kill or destroy or trap yourself so I thought the idea of having death as a villain but not a character just made these movies stand out from most other horror movies and that the whole domino effect of its cause and effect triggering the deaths was, to me, very unique and clever. What about yourself? What did you think about death being a villain but not quite an actual character? I thought it was really cool as well. Like, it wasn't something that could be stopped basically it was always you had to dodge it or you had to accept it uh so like how because death wasn't an actual character there wasn't oh because death wasn't an actual thing creature there was no way of telling what did it so like the domino effect was just coincidences and it was always like oh they must have committed suicide or oh they just slipped and fell or something happened by accident it was never like they weren't certain that, that um, death did it because, again, they didn't know it existed because it wasn't like an actual entity. Yeah, yeah. Even throughout the movie, they had some FBI agents investigating it because obviously it was a bit strange that a kid's on the plane and then he starts screaming that it's going to blow up and they all get him off, that everyone gets kicked off and then the plane blows up. So obviously they think, oh, hang on a sec, did he do this? And then later on, you know, when he's sort of realising that there is a bit of a plan, 
that death has a pattern. He then tries to start snooping around the teacher's house because he's worked out that she's going to be next. And of course, what happens is she spots him and she calls the FBI and he's like trying to say, no, it's not me. It's death's got a plan. And they're like, who's going to believe that death is out to get them? Like, and it makes it very hard. Like it's, he's not even trying to prove that there's someone else out there killing them. He's not saying that there's a monster. He's just saying death is out to get them. And it's like, no, the plane blew up. It was unfortunate. Your friend committed suicide because he was sad because his brother died on the plane. And then it's like, you were also at the thing when this other girl died. And yeah, it's very suspicious that you've been involved in everything. But we're not going to believe you at all that death is the entity that's coming to kill you all. And death is going to pick you off one by one one in the order that you got off the plane. All right. uh, So this movie had a few special effects, nothing major, because there wasn't a huge... Mon- Again, there was no huge monsters, but there were quite a few small special effects. What What are your thoughts on the special effects within this movie? Well, I think they did really well with the special effects when they needed to use it, especially when Death was trying to kill the main female character, Clear Rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, when, like, the electricity with the sparkles and everything, there was, there was some good um, special effects there. Yeah, and what about the, the actual deaths? Because they, they had a few there, like the character Billy, he gets hurt pretty bad, and the way when the teacher, she got killed, like they the special effects for their deaths, they were, I thought they were pretty reasonable, like they looked fairly realistic yeah, they for did. the time. But again, like they, because as, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of the special effects weren't just like the death scenes, it was all done when death was setting up its little plan so the little this thing blowing over or this thing catching on fire or you know the lightning and the electricity or the the, just the wind blowing enough that something else turns or something else falls over and this thing's cracking so they're all very small special effects but done in a really good way that it sort of could almost be believable that it just happened that it was just an accident it was just an incident so I and I I think I've mentioned this once before, like the best special effects are the special effects you don't notice. Yeah. All right. So maybe we should move into rating this movie. So using our patent pending rating system, how would you rate this movie? Is it daylight, meaning it's super scary and you must watch it in broad daylight? Would you say it's twilight, meaning it's moderately scary and that you could watch it sort of in the hours of dusk? Or is it not that scary and it's midnight and you can just watch it in the pitch black? Well, it wasn't really a scary movie. It was more of a suspenseful movie. So I think it would be a twilight or in between a twilight and a midnight, basically. It's not super scary, but it's not like completely lights out. It just sort of to the suspense. Yeah, the suspense gives it the eerie feeling that like, Something supernatural out there has power over your death. And I, I completely agree. It's somewhere between twilight and midnight. Like, the younger you are, you, the, the more light you might need, um, especially if this is starting your forte into the horror movies. And it's actually probably a pretty good one because the death scenes, while they're quite clever, they aren't particularly gruesome. Um, you're not seeing people getting their arms and legs ripped off and that. There is one that is a little bit jarring. Uh, that's Billy's death, but um, apart from that, it's not, you know, there's no real jump scares. It's all just suspense and build-up, isn't it? Yeah. Who who do you think should watch this? What sort of age range would you rec- recommend is suitable for this? Um, I think anybody around 12, 13 and over would 
can probably watch this. I mean, it's not, again, it's not a scary movie. It's more just suspenseful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anywhere from 12, 13 up, I think, would be perfectly fine to watch this movie, you know. It's a good start into the horror genre where it's not real scary, but it is a little bit eerie and suspenseful. So it gives you that feel of a horror without just basically scaring the pants off you. Um, <laughs> did, did you have any final thoughts about this movie? Not really, but um, this movie does make you re- like consider everything that's happening around you. Like even the tiniest little thing could, could cause a domino effect and end up ha- having something really bad happen. It makes you think, is this is this just a coincidence that this ball has rolled in front of me just as the truck is turning around the corner? Or is something else, is some other plan in motion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely will. Uh, for me, my, my final thoughts is I really enjoy this movie and I like the concept of it. The fact that there is a villain that is not a physical being and it's just death, like trying to write the course, you know, of people's fates. And I'm really keen to get into the books and the, the graphic novels. And I, so I'm going to, probably after we finish recording this, I'm going to go look for them and see if I can track them down. And um, I'll definitely pick them up and maybe we can, I can uh, touch base and let listeners know what, what I think of them in a, in a future episode. And we can maybe probably both have a read of them and then both give our thoughts on that. Yeah. So one last announcement I'd like to make just before we wrap up this episode is that, as we've mentioned, Emily and I watched Halloween this afternoon. So we will be, as it is October and Halloween coming up, we'll be doing a special Halloween extravaganza where we talk about not only Halloween 1, but Halloween 2, H2O, and the latest Halloween that came out last year in 2019. So we are doing the Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween extravaganza. So make sure you keep your eye out for when that episode drops. All right, well, I think that's uh, been a pretty good discussion for today. So until next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. But most of all, please tell a friend. If you have any questions, comments, or review suggestions, please email us at somedaylightrequired at outlook.com. And always remember, be good, be kind, and and always always rewind. rewind. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over.